0: You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Well, today is our last Sunday of this series, Summer Baggage. And it's really the last day of summer for us parents For most of our kids because school starts back this week. It's it's amazing for us, maybe not for the kids, maybe not for the teachers, but for the parents. We're praising God that school starts back. Um, So far in this series, we've looked at a couple things that we really allow to weigh us down in life. And week one, we talked about unforgiveness and how that really is just some baggage that we hold on to and how it really, it causes collateral damage in, in our entire life and every relationship. And then last week, we talked about comparison and how comparing ourselves to other, other people keep us from really experiencing the fullness that God has for us. It really keeps us from living out our full potential and full purpose in God. So this morning, I want to talk about something that every single one of us has at least gone through, and that is trials. How many of you have ever went through a situation that you really didn't want to go through? Raise your hand. Let's be honest. That's all of us, right? We go through situations that we don't want to go through. We have bad circumstances sometimes in life that we have to figure out how to navigate around or navigate through or whatever it may be, and we really allow those trials sometimes to weigh us down in life. We allow those things to, to really consume us, and it's really easy to do that, that that's all we think about, it's all we talk about, it's what we really allow to influence our decisions, the way that we act, the way that we talk, the way that we treat people, and the way that we interact with God. Those trials, man, if, if I could just put it on a scale of one to 10, how much I don't want to go through trials, it's it's up there, right? It's, it's either 10 or it's above 10. Because if we could choose, we would choose bliss all the time. Amen. That's That's what we like as humans. We like to be happy. We like to not have to go through different things in life. But guess what? There's a purpose for these trials. And if we can change our mindset, As we live through these trials, I really think it will take this weight off of us, this baggage that we're carrying around, and it will allow us to not only honor God the way that he needs to be honored, but it also changes our lives from the inside out. It helps us to truly become the disciples and the Jesus followers that we're called to be. I'm going to read just a couple verses in James to start off. And James says this in chapter 1. Starting in verse two, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So here's what James says. James says, I want you to I want you to be happy. Does he say that? No, he says, I want you to count it all joy, right? So I want you to, first of all, understand there's a difference between happiness and joyfulness, right? We can have joy that God gives us without being happy. There's going to be some things that happen in life that we're, we're sad about, or our emotion is something different than happy. So James isn't saying that. He's saying to count it joy, to be joyful, because the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, what is steadfastness? mean? It's really, in some translations, it, it is written out as patience. And it's, it's the Greek word hupamon, which means, what does hupamon mean? Does anybody know the Greek word? I gave you a cheat sheet. To remain under. I didn't know if y'all were up on your Greek or not. To remain under. So what does that tell us? This is what it tells us. It tells us that Hey, James is telling us to do something that is really against human nature. Because James says, hey, when you go through these trials, then you need to remain under these trials. Don't try to escape every single situation that you find yourself in, because God is doing something in the midst of the trial. God is doing something in the middle of a situation, the middle of circumstances that you don't want to be in. And our human nature, our first reaction is to run, to get away, to get out of those situations. Amen. Can y'all agree with that? That when you find yourself in a scary situation or a bad situation, that you really want to get yourself out of that. You want to remove yourself from those circumstances. And James says, hey, that's not always the best answer. Sometimes we should remain under. We should walk through those circumstances. Let me, let me put it this way to you. I don't know how you are driving in storms. I don't like it. I'm going to tell you why I don't like it. When I was 20, 21 years old, I was in a, playing in a softball tournament in Thompson, and it just started pouring down rain. You couldn't see anything. And there was two other guys with me. I was driving, and we were going back to South Augusta where we lived, from Thompson. So we were on I-20. We couldn't see anything. My tires on my truck, because I was a college student, you could see the steel in the tires. There was no tread whatsoever. So I felt myself swerving. I was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm kind of swerving a little bit. Um, do y'all think we should pull over? And they were like, no, man, keep going. So we kept going. We hydroplaned. We did some 360s. We, I went into the bank on I-20. Scared me to death. No one was hurt. But it was scary. So I remember that. So now anytime it storms, even if I have new tires, I'm scared. So what I like to do is, man, you know what? I'm thinking about this, and I want to pull over. I want to get inside of some kind of tunnel to where it's not raining so hard so I can see. But here's the problem. If I stop, the rain isn't stopping around me. So I'm just sitting there. I'm making no progress. I'm just sitting on the side of the road waiting for the rain to stop. And what if it doesn't? What if five miles up the road is the sun shining and there's no more rain? I stopped and I'm missing the sunshine because I'm camping out in the storm, trying to get myself out of it, trying to get myself away from going through this downpour of rain that scares me to death. That's what we do in life. A lot of times we say, hey, let's find a tunnel Let's let's just get out of this situation. Let's do everything we can not to keep going. And sometimes right on the other side of the trial is the sunshine. But we miss it because we stop or we try to remove ourselves from the storm. We try to remove ourselves from the situation. But James says, hey, count it joy when you face trials. And man, if, if you're anything like me and you read this, you're like, James is crazy. I'm not a fan of James already. This is chapter 1, verse 2. I'm already not a fan of this guy. Who was he? He's not that important anyway. He was the half-brother of Jesus, so it's pretty important. He loved Jesus. Can you imagine being the half-brother of Jesus? Man, that's got to that's be horrible because Jesus is perfect, right? And even if your siblings, you think they're perfect, they're really not. His really was. Like, his was Jesus. That, that had to be horrible. But if you don't want to believe James, we see that Peter teaches this to him. First, Peter, chapter one, verses six through nine, it says in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ, though you have not seen him, you love him though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So Peter says, hey, you're rejoicing as you go through these trials. James says, count it joy. Peter says, hey, when you you go through these trials, we're going to rejoice because we know that it can bring honor and glory to God. And we're sitting here, in 2021 thinking these guys don't understand the trials that we're going through they don't get it they don't understand how bad we've been hurt they don't understand the, the physical pain that we've been in they don't understand the spiritual just just tearing that we've had they don't understand the emotional brokenness that we've been through they just don't understand there's no way we can rejoice there's no way We can count it joy. And guess what happens? It becomes a weight in our life. And it becomes part of this baggage that we carry around. That keeps us from living out our full potential in Christ. We're all going to have trials at some point. James doesn't say if, right? He says when. It's going to happen. Maybe some of you are going through the biggest trial of your life right now. Maybe some of you just came out of the biggest trial of your life. Maybe some of you, when you leave this place today, you're going to enter into the biggest trial of your life. I don't know where you are, but I know this, that trials will come. And the way that we navigate through these trials will determine how we interact and connect with Jesus. And my prayer, my heart for us, is that we can learn to count it joy because we know that God is doing something in the midst of the trial. Let's pray really quick. God, I come to you asking that you speak through your spirit this morning. God, I pray that when we leave this place, we leave with a renewed spirit. We we leave with an understanding that you are working. And we're going to give you honor and glory and praise in Jesus name. Amen. So how can we find joy in the midst of these trials? Because we're going to have them. I don't want to spend the whole time talking about trials because I can. I want us to understand how we can really find the joy in the midst of the trials. Number one is this. We can show radical patience. We show radical patience. And we just, we just talked about how in verse 3 he uses the word steadfastness, which can be translated patience, which means to remain under. It means, hey, don't run away so quickly. Let's stop when we get in this trial, when we get in these circumstances, when we find ourselves in situations that we really don't want to be in, let's stop and seek God in the middle of this trial. Let's say, God, what do you want from me as I go through this trial? What are you trying to teach me? What do you want me to learn? What are you trying to get me to do? What do you want me to accomplish? How do you want me to impact the lives of other people? Even while I go through maybe the worst thing that I've ever went through in my entire life. Radical patience. I don't know if you know the story of Joseph, but Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. That was a trial that he faced. He was falsely accused of rape. That was another trial. He was thrown into prison. Another trial. He remained faithful under every single trial and struggle. And God raised him up as the second most powerful man in Egypt. Now, I'm not telling you that God's going to raise you up as the second most powerful person in this country. I'm not telling you that he's going to raise you in status at all. This is what I want you to know, that he's doing something that you can't see. That he's working in ways that only he can work that he he has something planned for you, even in the midst of the trial. He has something special, he has a purpose for you and he has some sunshine on the other side. It doesn't mean that the sunshine is gonna stay. It means that on the other side of the trial there's there's some bliss. And then maybe later in life, you face another trial. And it's just a cycle that continues, not because God doesn't love us, but because he does love us, because he wants to show that he is for us, that he can get us through these situations, and that he is to be honored and glorified because he's the only one that can do it. And that's what I want us to understand, is that we must have radical patience. And I say radical because this isn't just a I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait. And then by 10 o'clock at night, you're done. Right. That's not the patience I'm talking about. I'm talking about some radical patience. It's really hard for us to wait around. It's really hard for me to wait around sometimes. And if you have kids, it's really hard to show patience all the time. And I'm not talking about that kind of patience because if that's the patience I'm talking about, we're all going to fail that test, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a radical patience where we truly believe God is doing something and we're going to wait on Him to accomplish whatever it is He wants to accomplish. We must have radical patience. We keep reading in James chapter 1, Verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without or with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, he is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. If we truly want to find joy in the midst of trials, not only should we show radical patience but we should practice radical prayer verse 5 here says that if any one of you lacks wisdom to ask God and I don't know where you are in your spiritual walk I don't know what kind of things that you go through in life but I, I I want to be honest that I lack wisdom a lot of times and I have to seek God for some wisdom that's the truth Right. I don't know everything. I don't have all the the wisdom in the world. Despite what you may think about me. I'm not that smart of a guy. And I need God. And especially when we're going through these trials and these tribulations in life. Because we're not always going to have the answer and most of the time we're not going to have the answer. So what do we do when we lack wisdom? We pray radically, not just a little, hey, God, I know you're doing something. Don't know what it is. Let me know. Now, if that's what you pray, that's fine. But I want you to mean it in your heart. That's when it becomes radical. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be long. It has to be genuine and sincere. That's what radical prayer is. Radical prayer is praying something that you really, you're not even sure about, but you're trusting God that much. There's a story in Mark chapter 9 that, man, it's, it's one of the, the most powerful stories to me. And we've used this here before. We've said this. We've, we've quoted this passage. But I want to read it to you starting in verse 20 of Mark 9. It says, and they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. So here's the context. There's this father who has this boy who is possessed and the father takes the boy to the disciples. The disciples can't cast out the demon. So then he brings him to Jesus. And that's where we are here. Verse 21, and Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And the father answered from childhood, and it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus's response is amazing. Jesus said to him, if you can, like, hey, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. Of course I can do something, right? All things are possible for the one who believes. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And at first glance, that's a little confusing. You're thinking, how can someone believe and then have unbelief at the same time? And we just read up in James that, hey, if you ask God for something, let him ask in faith. Don't ask with doubting. So here's my question to you. How many of you have ever doubted that God is doing something in the middle of a situation? And don't be ashamed to answer that. I'm the first one to raise my hand. There's times that we have no clue what is happening. We're in so much distress. There's so much chaos around us. The trial is just too big and we're not sure that God is working. We don't even know how he's going to fix the problem. And we have some doubt. And this father brings his son to Jesus and says, hey, if you can do anything. And I know you're Jesus and I know what they say about you and and I know what they teach about you. And maybe I've even heard you teach some. But if you can do anything, please help my son. And Jesus said, of course, I can do something for anyone who believes And the Father, in all sincerity and transparency and genuineness, says, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. And I really feel like that's where some of us are right now. Hey, things are falling apart all around me. I believe, but there's some doubt. Please help my unbelief. I know who you are. I believe in who you are. I know that you are a God who loves me, a God who's for me, a God who's working all things out for me, but I'm having some doubt. I don't see how you're working. I know you are, but I just can't see it. So some doubt's creeping in. I believe, but I want you to help my unbelief. There's a difference between someone who believes and has a little doubt and someone who just really doesn't believe at all. See, as a Christ follower, we know who God is, and we believe in that. We believe in his sovereignty. We believe in his love. We believe in his power. We believe that he can transform lives, and he can turn around situations. We believe in who he is, and we know that he can, and we're trusting that he will. But in our minds, we just can't see it all the time. And some doubt begins to creep in, some belief or some unbelief begins to creep in. And what we need to do this morning is we need to cry out, I believe, but help my unbelief where I'm doubting, where I'm struggling. Help that, fill that with your spirit, help me believe even more. And then on the other side, we have the ones that aren't Christ followers, the ones that aren't really following after Jesus whatsoever. Maybe they believe a little bit. Maybe they know who Jesus is, but they truly don't believe in the power of Christ. They doubt that he can do what he says he can do. And that's the difference. One is the believer who knows that God is who he says he is. And some doubt may creep in, And we're crying out, I believe, but help my unbelief. And the other side, they may may know who God says he is, but they don't truly believe that he's going to come through in this situation. But how do we know? How can we be sure? This is what, if we continue on in verse 25 of Mark chapter 9, it says, and when Jesus saw that a crowd in the middle of whatever you're going through. God is working in the middle of whatever it is that you're going through, sitting in this place today. And maybe you're in a place where you just don't get it. You can't see the the end. Maybe it's something spiritual in your life. Maybe you've been trying to get closer to Jesus for years and years and years, and you've just never been able to take that next step. And you're doubting that it'll ever happen. And you know that God can do it. You trust that he is who he says he is, but you're not seeing any results. And it's just, it's flooding your mind with doubt. Or maybe this morning you're dealing with some physical pain. And you just don't, you don't think it's ever going to go away. You've been dealing with it for years and years and years, and it's just getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And some doubt's creeping in to your head. Or maybe you have a relational problem that's getting worse and worse and worse. And you just don't see any, any bright light at the end of the tunnel. And some doubt is consuming your mind. Maybe emotionally you've been broken. Maybe someone's broken your heart. Maybe someone's just broken you down emotionally by the way that they've abused you verbally. Maybe you've been physically abused. Maybe you just have a lot of emotional and trust issues because of things that you've been through. And you don't think you're ever going to get over those. You don't think you'll ever be free of that. There's some doubt that's creeping in. Here's what we have to do. We have to know that God is who he says he is. We have to believe that God really is working in the middle of the struggle. And we cry out, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe in you. I believe in who you are. I know that you love me, but help my unbelief. I don't want to doubt anymore. I don't want to struggle with doubt. I want to just follow you knowing that you're working in the middle of this trial. Because the God of the mountain is still the God in the valley. God is God. He's never changing. There's no variation of Him. He is who He is. And He loves you. And He's working things out for you. Radical patience. Radical prayer. We see in 1 John 5 says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And Romans 8 says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We pray even when we don't know what to say. We talk to God even when we don't know how to put words together. And we're promised that the Spirit, as believers in Jesus, the Spirit intercedes for us in prayer. That we cry out to God because we know that we need Him. We know that He's the only one that can come through. We know that He's the only one that can fix whatever it is that needs to be fixed we know that he's working more than we could ever imagine and we cry out to him and even when we don't know what to say the spirit intercedes for us in prayer because the spirit knows our hearts and when we pray to our heavenly father it's a heart conversation If your prayer is just a verbal conversation with God, then you're missing something in your prayer life. Because a conversation with God is a heart thing. It's not a verbal thing. I'm not telling you not to pray out loud. I'm telling you that whatever you say verbally should be coming from within. And that it's a connection from your heart to the heart of God. And even when we have no clue what to pray, the Spirit's working on our behalf. And trials are the, the pathway to spiritual maturity. I'm going to close. We're going to jump down to verse 12 of James chapter 1. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, He will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. If we are to find joy in the midst of trials, we must show radical patience, practice radical prayer. And number three is this, we must remember God's radical promise. And his promise is, hey, for those of you who believe in me, you have the crown of life. You have an eternity spent with me in heaven. Withstand the trial. I'm doing something in the middle. And that's not the only promise we have. We have a lot of promises of God. I could spend the next 17 weeks going through promises of God week after week after week after week. And I just threw 17 out as a random number. That's not a theological thing. So don't go check that. That was just random. But the point is that we have tons of promises from God. And the number one and the best and the the most exciting promise we have is that when we begin to follow him, when we truly believe in him, when we begin a relationship with him, we are promised the crown of life. We are promised eternity in heaven with our heavenly Father. And because we remember the radical promise of God, it makes it much easier for us to show radical patience and to practice radical prayer. It doesn't mean that we are going to like the trials. It doesn't mean that we're going to enjoy and be happy emotionally with any trial that we go through. It means that we understand that God has us. That God is with us. That God is working for us. That God is working all things out for the good of those who what? Who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you are promised eternal life with him in glory. And it's hard sometimes for us to really fathom what heaven is going to be like. It's really hard for us to understand eternity at all because everything we know has a beginning and an end. Right, we usually begin service here at Impact at 10:02ish. We give the 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 latecomers a couple minutes to get here. And then we usually end service around 11 and if it's not over by 11, I'm I'm seeing some stairs coming at me and I'm like, "Man, it's time to wrap this up." We wake up in the morning, we go to sleep at night and that kind of the beginning and end of our day. Some of us go to work at a certain time every day and that starts our day and we leave at a certain time and that's the end of our work day. Some of us just, man, we have kids that, that are babies and then they start kindergarten, so that's the beginning of innocence and then when they're like one the innocence goes away so that's the end but from one to four they're still at home and then that goes away so there's an end everything has a beginning and an end that we that's that's how our brain works if you're planning anything out you're planning for a beginning and you're planning for an end you're not planning for something that just keeps going like in our world that's not a very good plan Right, We don't want things to just continuously go on. There needs to be some goal that we meet. And that's how our brains work. But that's not how eternity works. Because it never ends. And for each person sitting in this room, you're here for eternity. The difference is, as a follower of Jesus, our eternity is in glory, is in heaven, with with a God who loves us with the Savior of the world to honor him and to to glorify him and to cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. He's worthy of our praise. And for those of you that don't know Jesus, you're not following after him. You never started a relationship with him. You're still here for eternity. Your eternity just looks different. Because instead of glory, instead of heaven with the Savior, your eternity is in hell with agony and pain and separation from God. And I don't understand if you, or I don't know if you understand the brevity of that. Because that's reality. That you're going to end up somewhere. And where you end up depends on the decision that you make, either to follow after Jesus or not. And as we, as we go through life and we go through trials, and uh, there's, there's something different about facing a trial when you know Jesus. There's just something different because man you know what i don't have to know the answers and i could be i can be fearful and i can be just uh, an emotional wreck i can be sad i can be angry i can have all these things going on and creeping in but here's what i know that god is ultimately in control and that i'm defaulting to him because who else should i default to not to me but to the creator of the world. The one who I know can handle any situation. And as a father, something that I really love, something that I I really want, I really want for my kids to to look at me and, and think that, man, dad is a, he's a strong guy. He's a smart guy. He takes care of us. He protects us. But I would never hold a candle to God. And even more than how much I want them to feel that way about me, I want them to know that about Jesus. I want them to know that he's strong. That he loves them. That he's taking care of them. Because dad's going to eventually fail you at some point. But God never will. So as you're walking through these trials in your life, I want you to remember who's in control. One of my favorite things, and it's something that I live by, something that I heard a pastor say one time is, we don't have to know the plan. We just have to trust the one who holds the plan in his hands. I don't have to know what's going to happen, but I'm trusting in the one who does. And I'm going to give them honor and glory no matter what. And I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't know, I don't know what you're going through, but I know this, that, that trials are a pathway for you to grow. That God uses these, these different situations and these different circumstances to, to grow your faith. To help you impact the world for the kingdom. To follow him better. To give him more glory. That is what trials do for us. And a lot of times we don't love it. But I want you to understand that God loves you and he's working things out for you. Next week, we're starting a brand new series called My Stories. And we're just going to share personal stories of how God has intervened in in the lives of people right here in this church. Some of it with addiction, some of it with emotional, just emotional craziness and hurt, some of it with physical pain. Because God cares about you. If you hear nothing else this morning, I want you to hear me. God cares about you. God loves you. God wants a relationship with you. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.